still over the end of the gun barrel when his finger slipped. There was a short burst of fire as the 7.62 mil rounds blew his thumb away, bumped into his grandfather's stomach, and ripped a seam along his chest. The old man's final breath was long and choking. Blood seeped from the wound in his belly, saturating his robe and oozing onto the ground. The boys fell silent. Farzad's body was shaking. Is he dead? Adele whispered finally. Farzad laid his good hand on his beloved grandfather's head. Yes, Adele, he is dead. Suddenly their grandmother was there. She took in the scene and started to scream, a panicked, hysterical scream. What have you done? What is this wickedness? Farzad was now shaking with anger rather than pain. He looked at his grandmother and then back at his brother. Something passed between them. Nothing spoken, just a silent agreement that there was something they needed to do. If their grandmother continued to scream, people from all around would come to see what had happened. There was only enough ammo in the magazine for a short burst of fire, but it was enough to silence her. The rounds slammed into her head. Farzad watched with detached curiosity as it collapsed in on itself, as her limbs twitched for a few short seconds before falling still. Farzad and Adele had to think carefully and clearly. It would be stupid to leave the corpses there, ready to be identified by anyone who passed. But first, they needed to attend to Farzad's hand. Their grandfather had once taught them how to cauterize the wound of an injured goat rather than let the precious animal die. They crouched by the fire together. Are you ready? the younger boy asked. Farzad nodded, biting his lip in preparation before allowing Adele to thrust the bleeding stump into the red-hot embers. Farzad had expected to scream, but he didn't. The pain was too searing for that. Ten seconds then, he plunged his hand into a small pot of water by his side. Adele looked horrified, and Farzad suddenly felt responsible for him. We must do it now, he whispered. Adele nodded. They moved their grandmother first, each of them taking an ankle and dragging her towards the fire. We need more wood, said Farzad, and he was right. Although the body was burning, it was not reducing in size. They selected small logs first to get the fire roaring again. Then they bent down and dragged their grandfather towards the fire. The skin peeled from his face, and the smell of burnt flesh filled their senses for a second time. All night they fed the fire. By dawn they'd exhausted the wood supply. We must leave this place, Farzad said when it was done. He held out his good hand. Adele took it and stood up but they kept their hands clasped firmly. Brother, Farzad whispered. Brother. And without another word, they turned and walked into the steel light of dawn, leaving the remains of their family and of their former life behind them. Thirty years later, Helmand Province, Afghanistan, 0300 hours. An enormous dome of light shone in the Afghan desert. No locals would dare come near it without an invitation, though, not Camp Bastion. Jack Harker hurried through the British base, two hours before dawn, and he was already sweating. Regular green army boys were everywhere, their skin tanned and their eyes a bit wild, preparing to go out on patrol, none of them knowing if they were about to earn themselves a free ride through Wooden Bassett. 
Only two days ago they'd repatriated an 18-year-old kid who'd caught the shrapnel from a rocket-propelled grenade near Lashkagar. Word around the base was that it had taken two shots of morphine to stop the poor bastard screaming. And a few days before that, an American soldier had been captured. The Taliban were good fighters, disciplined, resourceful, and totally barbaric if they got their hands on you. Fuck only knew what sort of state that poor sod was in now. Jack's unit was standing in a little group in the open air well away from most of the regular activity. Thick Hesco walls surrounded the compound itself. From the outside you could see nothing but the tall signalling masts and the top of containers that housed anything and everything from small arms to regiment quad bikes. Yellow light glowed from the windows of the porter cabins and inside there were plenty of guys moving around. The Ruperts had been on edge for 24 hours and Jack knew why. The previous day, a four-man special boat service unit heading north up the Sangin Valley...